0: On this episode, we're going to be talking about PPC with one of the most influential PPC experts around. Do stay tuned. Welcome to 2x e-commerce, the e-commerce marketing growth podcast where you ask questions and I, Kene, answers them. Also here have been proven marketing growth experts who are number one or number two in specialist areas of online retail marketing. So if you work in or own an online retail business, listen in, get involved, join me, and let's put some fuel to skyrocket your e-commerce growth. Don't so inbound marketing strategies has you beat Amazon. Natural search and our search engine position is critical to the customer flow through the website. I personally would not have... An account
1: process interrupt checkout flow at all. My favorite customer lifetime value calculation is an easy one. It's your average order value times that purchase frequency times uh, your
0: customer lifespan. I'm Kune Campbell. Let's get rolling. This episode is brought to you by Clavio. It is a game-changing email automation tool specifically built for scaling e-commerce businesses. I'm not just saying it. I use Klaviyo in my e-commerce store and stores I advise for. Household names in the e-commerce space such as in Bonobos and Chobis use Klaviyo. Here's why. Klaviyo has one of the most impressive feature sets in the e-commerce email personalization space at the moment. Besides the one-click setup, Clavio's pixel tracks visitor behavior to help you set up highly effective custom email funnels. Clavio also offers pre-built autoresponders for cart abandonment, upsells, and win-back campaigns. Klaviyo's most game-changing feature is its Facebook audiences integration, which helps your email list to sync up with your Facebook ad campaigns. So, as you continue to scale up your store, Klaviyo will help automate a lot more sales. Try Klaviyo today on klaviyo.com spelled k l a v i y o.com. Hi guys, welcome to the two X e-commerce podcast show. I'm your host Kunit Campbell, and this is the podcast dedicated to rapid growth in online retail. And as you know, we're focused and focused on growth. Really, we're, we're focused on helping you guys just deliver two X, three X, and even ten X metrics such as conversions, average order value, repeat customers, traffic, and ultimately sales. And how I do it is I either speak, you know, from experience myself or share my expertise, or I handpick my guests that come on this show to to share their experience and expertise. And my criteria is really based on one thing. Can my guests provide valuable information and insights to help you, my listeners, rapidly grow? And if they can, I try and bring them on the show. Speaking of which, on today's episode, I have with me Dwayne Brown. He is a PPC, I would say, guru, expert who takes in who who actually who who runs a an agency called take some risk um inc from vancouver canada and he pretty much helps e-commerce brands saas and you know tech brands grow profitably with ppc ad campaigns he has a ton of experience um well over a decade he has you know um both worked in-house and you know worked um you know as an agency now um and his his expertise really are in um search engine marketing, you know, um which is PPC AdWords. Um and you know, he the he he works with tools such as, you know, search metrics, SEM Roche, Hotjar, um, ad management, like, you know, marine, Kensho, you know, he's is you know, when when you're talking about like ad words, you know, um, you know, AdWords experts. You know, some of the best AdWords experts. You know, in in the world. You know, search. You know, paid paid search marketing. You know, um, he, he is he is he is he's one of the best. You know, in 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 his in his crafts so you know having this conversation with him you know i I just wanted to to gain you know a, a lot of insights into you know how PPC works now in in e-commerce you know um, especially search PPC um, and you know just how everything sort of maps out in in relation to not just um, you know traffic but also conversion rate optimization and strategy and how to map that out with other you know um, with, with, with other marketing channels you, you have and have a truly integrated you know you know platform so without further ado i'd like to welcome him to the show listen to this conversation and you know um if you can you know take take some notes enjoy welcome 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 to Wayne to the show
1: thank you for having me
0: fantastic um could you take a minute or or two to to, to introduce yourself to, to listeners please sure
1: my name is Dwayne Brown. I'm based in beautiful Vancouver, Canada on the West Coast. I'm from Toronto, Canada, and I've lived around the world in London, UK, in Australia. And I love to travel. I've been to 40 countries and I still have another 100 that I want to see. And if you love to travel, then that's probably something we have in common outside of marketing.
0: Fantastic. Um forty forty countries is you know, is quite a lot. Where would you say majority of your travels has uh what what continents have majority of your travels um been?
1: Uh Asia because after I lived in the UK for two years, went to Asia for three months on my own and then obviously living in London I've been across Europe to I think 17, 18 countries in wow. Europe.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. Okay, great. Um so we were having a discussion prior to, to the call. Um, I don't think you've done yourself enough, justice with regards to, you know, your introduction. You've been quite modest with your introduction, but you run an, an agency called Take, Mo- Take Some Risk. And um, you guys are a full-service agency from a marketing standpoint. Um, what exactly do you do? How do you, what kind of clients do you work with? And, um, yeah, and, um, you know, what are you seeing in e-commerce at the moment?
1: Yeah, our focus is on e-commerce, SaaS, or software-as-a-service clients, and technology brands. And we focus on those because that's where interest lies. That's where I think there's a lot of fun helping people shop more online, creating better experiences online. I think we've all been there where we go to our bank or we go to any online service and we just have a really bad experience. And so we love helping clients make their experience on their website more delightful, and our strong focus is on page search and paid social. So whether it's Google, Bing, Pinterest, Amazon, Facebook, we work on that for clients. And then a few of our SOC clients, we also help them with a technical SEO and just making sure they have the best website possible. Everything from making sure they're a limited amount of four page errors to having the right content to really making sure they're creating a helpful experience for people who are searching for the product or service that they sell.
0: Okay, so it sounds good. Uh, it, it it sounds like you're 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 into a lot, of you know, paid, you know, you know, marketing. Um, so over the years, um, how has paid? So just looking at the last ten years, how how has the paid search landscape, you know, evolved? Um, where where are you seen the the best growth and opportunity really from from that viewpoint?
1: I've been doing it for twelve years now, so ten years is a, is a good question. I think most of the change has really happened in the last two or three years. We see a lot more... You know, big and small automation changes, whether it's Google or Bing trying to automate, you know, your bids or how campaigns are run or how campaigns are even set up. You know, if you do a lot of shopping on Google and Bing, you know, both of them are really trying to automate that process of setting up a shopping campaign. And so that clients can just set it and forget it. So automation has been the big shift over the last few years. Mm-hmm. I think if you look before the last two or three years, the changes weren't that massive. There used to be three search engines back in oh seven, oh eight, oh nine, And then, you know, we had you no know, Yahoo and there's just Google and Bing. And then Google and Bing had a relationship. Yahoo and Bing had a relationship. And now we're back to the point where we're back to three search engines, more or less, between Google, Bing, and Yahoo. So I think up until people, the more things change our industry, the more they stay the same. Um, and now it's just a question of, you know, what can we automate? What can we not have people do? Because it doesn't make any sense and have people spend more time on crafting a really good strategy or have people spend more time figuring out who their actual customer is. Because we find with a lot of clients, whether it's SaaS or e-commerce, even technology brands, are often mistaken about who their customer is. They have this idea based on their gut or based on their opinion, but they haven't actually gone out and talked to customers. And one Mm -hmm. thing we champion is talking to your customers. There's no better way to understand both the pain point and the challenge your customers have Mm -hmm. and what they want out of a product or service. Not all all customers are created equal, obviously, but the more you talk to your customers, the more you can create a product that's geared towards the people you want to sell to.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Um, Two points you made there um, was uh, one point I picked up, Brady, was um, the fact that um, automation is really you know, sort of matured in in the past um in the past three years. Um, so before before I get into the automation bit, um, I'll, can I give you a hypothetical sort of situation? Say I was um, you know, running a a women's fashion brand um, and for the past one year, and um, I've managed to grow that you know females' fashion brand to to about hundred k a month via largely influencer marketing and you know outreach to to influencers and, and YouTube, you know, halls, um just organic, you know, outreach to 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 influencers to 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 leverage and you know um, the brand with with new audiences. And I wanted to sort of explore. So so that just shows that, you know, I, I do have a business. People do like my products and you know the, the business is running, you know, quite quite well based on word of mouth marketing. Now um if I wanted to sort of scale that out into with paid marketing what you know what channels and um you know what platform should i be looking at as a first step
1: that's a great question i think it really depends on you know women's a broad subject Are you talking you know 20 to 30 30 to 40 i think it depends on on the age of the women Mm -hmm. you know that's going to determine where they spend their time online and also determines are we to assume that you're going to be in North America? Are you going to be in the UK? Are you going to be in Australia? I think you know the country you're targeting matters a lot. If we were targeting, you know, South America or even Africa potentially, because for some reason you're making products that tons of people in Africa wanted to buy, you know, where we would grow the business would be very different for each of those clients. Assuming it's you know the UK or Australia or somewhere in North America was your was your big area. You know, the first question we ask ourselves, you know, is this a common product that People buy, you know, are there jumpers and jackets and pants and things of that nature, you know? And if so, it might make sense to potentially, you know, double down on paid search if you haven't done paid search or you haven't done tons of Facebook, because a lot of people when they say influential marketing, they usually mean reaching out to people who are famous on YouTube and famous on Instagram, which are great. And if those are the two places you've you've done a lot of influential marketing, then we'd say let's go to Facebook, you know, Instagram is on my Facebook. If you're doing real on Instagram, it makes sense to integrate Facebook and look at dynamic product ads, look at running campaigns to maybe help you test or refine your marketing message. Because we find a lot of brands have lots of ideas of what they think their marketing message is or what message resonates with their consumers and helping them refine that message so we can scale a lot faster is I think a good place where Facebook fits in really well. And if it's a common product where it's you know a jumper or pants or things you could buy at a lot of department stores, it may make sense to look at shopping from Google and Bing. It might potentially make sense to look at some search campaigns. If we know you compete with a lot of major brands that people search for, even a lot of these direct consumer brands, whether it's you know the Everlane and those kind of brands, maybe it makes sense to bid on those brand names on Google and Bing and help people understand that if I like XYZ brand over here, that's a direct-to-consumer brand, they also might like my client over here. So I think it kind of really depends on who your customer is, where they are in the world, and then figuring out, do we double down on your social side and, and build up your Facebook if you're doing a lot of stuff already with influencers on YouTube and Instagram? Or does it make sense to go to paid search based on the budget and do a lot of shopping and a lot of competitor bidding so people know that you're an option?
0: Hmm. Makes that's a good point. Talking about like search, like paid search. Um, you know, so just looking at Google. Um, you know, Google has the um, I believe the Audience Network, um, search, shopping, YouTube, probably some other channels. So from AdWords, um, where do you think like advertisers can get the biggest bang for their buck? um, to just get started and, you know, um, start to see returns so they could double down on, on more investments on the platform.
1: Yeah. So it depends on your price point. If you are price sensitive in the sense that you're price competitive with other people in the market, then I'd say shopping a big part of how you rank and how you orient your brand on shopping is based on your price. If you're a high, end product, you're probably going to find it a bit of a challenge to compete in shopping because all things being equal, Google takes your price point compared to your competitors to determine whether they're going to show your product in shopping a lot of times. Mm-hmm. So if you have a high price, I'd probably say you want to focus on paid search. If you're competitive with your price, I'd probably say you want to focus more on shopping and sort of double down on shopping more and more search results in North America and in Western Europe and even Australia are just having results. So show for shop And so if you can compete on price, you've got a great product, it sells well, you either have free shipping or cost-effective shipping, shopping is the place I would double down for a client. And then we'd bid on your brand name on search just to make sure people are searching for your brand. You come up, especially if your competitors are bidding on your name. And if there's budget in there, we'll bid on your competitor's name just to help people who know they want a certain brand but maybe don't know you exist yet.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Um, So... Going back to you know um, the point you made around um, automation, um, what major points um, or well what major facts or, or tips should listeners be aware of now in in the age of um, automation with 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 all of the tools available to us?
1: Automation is like. An- interesting area because sometimes there are people who who don't want to automate anything because maybe they're really old school and they're set in their ways. There are other people on the other side of the spectrum who want to automate everything because they just want to like not do any of the work necessarily at times, or they think they can automate everything. And we kind of fall in the middle in the sense we say automate things that make sense, i.e., you're doing the same task over and over. It's very repetitive. Can you automate that with some tools and technology or Excel scripts and, and VLOOKUP, the and macros? Or do you have enough data to automate it? right? If you have enough data in Google or Bing or any platform, can you automate You know, your bid-in? Can you set up some rules to say, if my CPA is this, if my ROAS is this, you know, change the bid in this way? So we definitely will say automate if it's either a repetitive task you do a lot of, or if you've got enough data. A lot of people sometimes will want to automate and they don't have tons of data. And that can be disastrous because if you only have You know, you just started out, you only have 10 or 15 conversions coming in a week. That may not be enough data to automate for Google, where it's better if you have hundreds of conversions coming in every week, if not thousands. So making sure you have enough data is really important because you can't just automate something because you want to automate it. You've got to be able to automate it because either it's repetitive or you've got enough data to give Google... Enough data to understand who your customers are and who's likely to convert. So, like for an e-commerce client, we have, you know, it took us two or three months to feel we had enough data in their account to automate some of their campaigns. But now we went from automating one campaign to automating eight campaigns. We'll probably automate another six or 12 over the next couple of months as we head to Christmas. And the that point, probably half their account will be automated and as long as the cpa is there as long as we're hitting the ROAS that we want it makes sense to keep the automation so we can scale up the account and just build it a lot faster
0: when you talk about scaling an account um what are the mechanics you know um what does it involve to to scale an account um in in the adwords platform there are two
1: types of scale there's either scaling in your current country uh, i.e., I still have room to grow in the US and they're scaling globally. So for some clients, scaling in the US means, you know, we're hitting a CPA that we like, our OS is at least three, maybe it's seven, eight, nine. So now we want to figure out, okay, we've got our baseline numbers there. We're profitable. We're making money. How do we invest in more shopping? How do we invest in more search campaigns? How do we invest in more remarketing? We find with a lot of clients, they sometimes have done the basics, but they don't have tons of remarketing set up. They might not have a dynamic search ad set up for Google or even for Bing. So it's figuring out what they're not doing currently and how to double down on what they're currently doing that's working. If a client's saturated the US on Google, it's... Is Bing an option for them? Have they considered Bing? Lots of clients, lots of agencies we find don't do Bing because they feel it's extra work. But I'm like, you know, 15, 20, 35%, depending on where you're on the world, people use Bing in certain countries, and not to be on Bing is doing yourself, and if you're an agency doing your client a disservice. So we say if you're maxed out on Google and you haven't done Bing, Bing is the next place to scale in the US. If a client says we think we've maxed out or at 80% of what we think we can do in the US, scale for them might be going to Canada potentially. Being Canadian, I can tell you it's expensive to ship stuff to Canada. It's why Amazon only has maybe ten percent of the catalog they have, uh, compared to the US. So scaling for them might be going to Australia if you're an American company. It might mean going to the UK, because for a UK person, you know, what might be a hundred dollars American in the US might be only for the pound, might be only what, that's, that's probably seventy
0: five, eighty
1: bucks yeah. for a British person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's scaling for that might be going to the UK, which might also mean that's a beachhead to the rest of Europe, right? If you can get get in the UK and be competitive there, it means can you go to like, you know, Amsterdam, Germany, just a lot of Central Western Europe and just add on more countries? Because if your analytics are showing that lots of people come to your site from a certain country... And your customer success team are saying we're getting lots of people who want to buy from this country, but we can't because we don't ship there currently. That might be a place to scale to grow the business outside of the US if the US is saturated right now.
0: Interesting. So, do, do, w- before you scale, do do you work like on a test project? The reason I'm asking is because like on, on Facebook, um, for instance, um, it's a platform I'm more familiar with. Um, we could test on like 10 dollars a day you know, or 10 pounds a day. And, um, you know, as you you alluded to earlier, you know, once you hit your ROAS, um, you're comfortable with, then you ramp things up and um, you could scale that out to $200 a day across, you know, 10 ad sets um, because, you know, your initial proof of concept and test has been, you know, proven. Um, so I was just, you know, wondering what how that translates in in AdWords. Um, do do you just do you suggest you have a test budget or um, is it something totally different?
1: No, we still have a test budget. You know, usually with clients, if we're going to test stuff, depend on what we're going to test, we usually ask for five thousand dollars a month. We may not spend that five thousand dollars. We ask for that ceiling just so that we can test lots of things really quickly, and not have to keep on going back to the client and say, oh, can we have another thousand? Can we another two thousand? So that might mean either in the second scenario, testing stuff in a new market like the UK. If we still think there's room to grow in the US, it might mean testing new campaign ideas, new remarketing, it might be testing lots of display stuff. So we definitely have a test and budget lever and we take the test and budget and it's very separate from what we're doing you know, day-to-day with the client and week-to-week on the account. And if we find out you know, things are not working. We may decide in two or three months to cancel it. We may decide to shift our strategy and go test out, you know, being potentially, if we tried to test things out on Google and couldn't scale it there anymore. Uh, so we definitely do a testing budget because I think it's important for clients to always be testing and always trying to learn something. The worst thing you can do for any brand e-commerce SaaS, doesn't matter what you sell. The worst thing you can do is just stay still and not do anything and not try new things.
0: Okay. Makes sense. <clears throat> um, this is more like a general question um, is is adWords still profitable um, for the first sale or um, has it matured um, what are your thoughts no, not your thoughts what is what's your data suggesting with the clients you have
1: yeah I think it's rare for any platform to be, to be profitable with the first customer you know with a lot of clients we talk about about what's the lifetime value to begin with. We don't think mm-hmm. about that first sale because you don't want someone to come and just buy once, right? The idea is you've acquired this customer and you want them to come back and buy a second, a third, or fourth time depending on what you sell. If you sell clothes, obviously you'll have more purchases. If you sell like aftermarket car accessories online, you might not have as many purchases. You might only have a second or a third one. So we try to think about clients of what's the long-term value of this client acquiring that customer And sometimes, yeah, the first sale is profitable. Other times, it's not. But as long as we can get from that first sale at the start of the month to the end of the month, and then we hit a positive ROAS, then that's okay. Because you've got to look at money as an investment in marketing, right? The money you spend is an investment. It's not... you know, It's not a cost center. It's no different than your customer success team. Your customer success team is not... A cost center. They are an investment, and you want to invest in making sure your customers have a great experience. You want to invest in your marketing that helps get your brand out there, so people understand you know who you are, what you do, what you sell, why they should buy the product from you versus from somewhere else. And so, even if you're not profitable on that first sale, you can get the profitability if you've got a great in-house team or a great agency, or you're using both potentially. And then it's about figuring out: okay, you've acquired that customer how do you get them to make their second purchase and their third purchase? And how do you just increase the lifetime value so that they're super profitable?
0: How'd you do that?
1: Uh, different ways. So for some of our clients who are on Shopify, we'll grab their Shopify data, we'll merge the customer data with the repeat customer data, we'll build that an Excel table and figure out what's the average number of days between someone's first and second purchase. And depending on what people are buying between their first and second purchase, we'll show them some ads, we'll help clients set up some emails, and figure out where we should send those emails. And we don't have an exact exact day we know we need to send an email. We'll test if we know the average is 75 days between someone's first and second purchase. We might set up emails to go at you know day 60, day 90, day 75, and just really test to see what's going to get someone to come back and buy a second time. We'll also test, obviously, what the different products are in those emails because it could be the right amount of days but the wrong product. And not everyone who buys you know jeans is necessarily going to buy a T-shirt. Some people might buy a button-up shirt. Some people might buy a belt. Um, so it's really working with the clients to figure out what happens on the first purchase and what and how many days there are between the second purchase and then figure out how do we get some to come back and buy through both pay channels and email. And we don't do email marketing, but we have enough experience to understand, you know, best practices, how you don't spam people, don't send people too many emails, make the email of value and easy to read. you know. ASOS sends a really good email. Sometimes they do send emails a little bit too much, but overall the ASOS email is pretty good. Um, So for a lot of our clients on Shopify, we do that. We have a client on Magento, so we do that with them as well. Um, And it's definitely a test and learn process. Anyone who says, I can tell you exactly how many days you need to set up that email from the first to second purchase will probably be lying because no two customers are ever alike usually.
0: All right, makes sense. Okay, so... Let's talk about like a lot of people and you know I'm I've been guilty about this in the past. we will focus on one channel because you, you've you figured out, okay, um I've been able to scale this channel, this channel works. And you know, from past experience also it flatlines, you know, um you 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 feed you feed and feed and feed it and um you, you sort of max out the audience, you know, um or the market within say say you're just, you know, targeting um, you know, potential customers in the u k um and your your mm-hmm. product offering has you know remained static and um yeah you're on one channel um how do you um create an insurance you know plan or um you know just sort of plan you know against um you know uh a platform fatigue or or a to and on a on a platform what you know regression you know in some some instances
1: this is something we talk about a lot with clients. Is not sort of getting tunnel vision and focused on one platform. Our general process with a lot of clients is, you know, we ask ourselves: Have we hit CPA? You know, yes. Are we profitable? Yes. Are we at the point where we see, you know, a consistent number of conversions, you know, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis? If we have been seeing that for two, three, four months, you know, then with clients we start to talk about: Okay, what other platforms can we start to test to help? Because we don't want you to get saturated on this platform and then hit, hit the point to where you do flatline. And that can happen on both you know Google and Bing and Facebook can happen on any platform where you just bombard them so much that you don't see the same return on investment on day one as you do on day 1,000. So once we have consistent conversions, we start looking at other platforms and if we're starting on google then we'll just automatically go to bing because it makes sense to stay within search and just try to own that sphere if it's a client that's on facebook and we already have instagram figured out we you know we might go to search we might go to pinterest potentially depends on like what the product is and what they're selling if it's a lower-end product we might try out pinterest if it's a higher-end product and we know people search for it online we'll just try out and start testing google because i think and the way we think about it and the way we talk about clients is think about it in the terms of building a house, right? You've got Facebook to work. You've got Google to work. You know, you're know. building that foundation. You're building that basement. And that's great. But you want to start thinking about the second floor and, and the first floor and making sure that you've got like walls and stuff like that. And so as you finish that basement, you finish building up that platform, you want to think about what's in the second floor. Is that another search platform like Bing is that going over to Facebook is that going from Facebook over to Google um, and so we just want to make sure that once you're consistent on a platform we can move to something else and start testing it out and then you're on two platforms or three platforms or four platforms after that
0: makes sense I like your analogy around you know the house you know and you know building layers and floors you know um, so what will be the foundation
1: yeah the foundation is different for every client um, for a lot of e-commerce clients, we usually start on search because it's it's for us. It's we find it more cost effective than Facebook. It's a little bit easier to get up and running a lot faster. There's less guesswork. People are literally typing into Google what they want more times than not. Um, but if some clients come to us and they've made it work on Facebook and they've struggled to make it work on Google, and whether that's because they couldn't make it work or they had a different agency or they had to get up set up the campaign wrong is is another story. But if they've made it work and they've come to us, we'll get them and scale them up on Facebook, make sure they're on Instagram. And once we reach a pretty good relationship, we'll figure out where to go next. We might go to YouTube if they do a lot of influential stuff and we think it makes sense where people are typing in questions, if it's like an educational product they're selling potentially online. Um, And then from there, it's just figure out what other platforms to go to. Like we said earlier, it's like testing. We get a test budget and we figure out what makes sense. We once had a client who was doing really well on Google and we tested out Bing and and, they're a SaaS brand. It it made sense, but we couldn't make Bing work no matter what we did. We tried different keywords. We tried different ad copy. We tried different landing pages, but we just couldn't make Bing work. So we just decided after a couple months, we're just going to turn it off. We might leave on brand, which is what we left on. And we get the sales we get from the brand and people searching for, it, but we couldn't make non-brand keywords work on Bing. Um, but that's okay because we learned a channel is not going to work for them, but we can move on to you know, Facebook and other channels and test those ones out as well.
0: Okay, makes sense. So when you talk about your clients, um, what kind of clients do you work with? I take more risk, um, you know, are your agency um do do you know, are, are these established? Um would you take on startups, you know, um because I I, I think like, you know, cost acquisition is is different on a case by case basis, you know, um, you know, the way a startup would approach. But yeah. Yeah,
1: definitely. So we we have some like Large tech brands in Europe, we work with a couple out there. Mm-hmm. We have some medium clients who they already have the revenue in the millions of dollars when they come to us and they mm-hmm. want to help scale it you know, closer to $10 million and figure out how mm-hmm. to do that with them. And we definitely do work with startups. I don't say we have a sweet spot. The way we judge a potential client is... You know, do you have an interesting problem you need solved, whether it's, you know, getting set up on a platform, scale on a platform, reducing your CPA, getting it to be profitable. You know, maybe you have a hard time figuring out what your messaging is and you want some help around testing. So do you have a hard problem you want us to solve? Um, do we think you're nice? We want to work with nice people, people we're going to enjoy, you know, some emails back and forth with. It is important. Uh, and and third way, it's just as important as the other two is like, are you gonna pay your bill? Do you have the money to pay the bill? Um, (laughs) We don't work for free. We're not the most expensive in town, but we're also not the cheapest in town. So making sure clients can pay their bills is, is the third thing we look for. And we don't really care if you're a startup, you're an established brand, you're you know an SMB potentially. As long as you've got an hourly problem and you're a nice person, we'll definitely chat with you and see if there's a fit. You know, we're not a fit for everyone. Some people have unrealistic CPA goals, and like we don't think you can hit that based on our experience, and so it doesn't make sense. Some people want to be able to like dictate what we do, i.e., they just tell us what to do and we execute for them. You know, we're not a what's the word we're looking for? We're not a we're not puppets, I guess is the best way to say it, right? You don't just tell us what to do when we dance. Like, it's not the kind of relationship we want with clients. So making sure there's a good fit both ways makes a lot of sense. Like I'm a really honest person, and that probably turns off some clients. Like We were talking with a potential client for the day. They had a million SKUs. They were super interested. They were B2B e-com. You know, they asked me, oh, did you do like a 12-month forecast yet about where we're going to be in 12 months if we hire you? And I just told them, no, it's, it's a waste of time. No one can tell you where you're going to be in 12 months. What on where you're going to be in six months, right? Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure that if you're going to spend money unpaid, and you're going to go with us, that at the end of the day, you're going to be a good fit for us. Um, and so we just told the client, we're not going to do a 12-month forecast. It doesn't make sense. We're not going to do it. We wouldn't do it. It's a waste of time. It's better we, we get you to a profitable state because we would looked at their account and the other agency they were currently using was wasting thousands of dollars every month and the client didn't seem to be aware of it i'm like we showed you them wasting money let's get this profitable first and then worry about where you're going to be in 12 months
0: Mm. what are your thoughts on um third party retargeting platforms
1: i'd say i'm I'm mostly no against them Mm -hmm. um unless they're going to provide some sort of value you can't go and can't get when you go directly to, you know, Google, Bing, or Facebook. There are lots of people who use like Critio or other platforms to do their Facebook remarketing. I mean, you could just do Facebook directly in the platform and self serve. You don't need to go through a third party platform and pay them money that you could be spending on your media or you could be spending in other parts of your business. Mm-hmm. So we'd only do a third party platform if they were offering, you know, premium sites or they had some sort of piece of technology that we couldn't get access to directly in, you know, Facebook or Google. Otherwise we want clients to spend money on their business. We want clients to spend money on media, not spend money paying another vendor to do something that they could just do directly in, in one of the platforms.
0: Interesting. Interesting. What about um, like content sites, like, you know, um, content promotion sites like Tableau, Outbrain, is, is there any value in, in those are you seeing from from your agency? Have you tried them?
1: Yeah, we've done a lot of stuff on on Tableau and Outbrain over the years. I think those do make sense. I think especially if you're going from like a B2B perspective, like both of them I think have a pretty good B2B audience. And if you have content you want to promote and it's super focused content with great You know, ad copy and design. I think there's definitely value in that. But obviously, you have to realize that not every person who clicks on that ad is going to be of value. So I think it's a way for you to, you know, potentially build your remarketing lists, test out if that audience from that platform makes sense. So maybe send them to a dedicated landing page of some sort, build a remarketing list off that landing page. Market to those people. See if they sign up for your webinar or your demo or download your ebook or see if somebody signs up to use your product in of itself. So I think there's definitely value in those platforms, but I wouldn't go to a third party platform or Taboola or an Outbrain until you've really maxed out two or three channels directly. And whether that's you know Google, Bing, Facebook, Pinterest, Amazon, whatever those two or three are you know it doesn't really doesn't matter as much as you max out 2 or 3 and you've got a good base on your business and then you can afford to experiment with what i would say are higher up the funnel channels that probably won't have a direct roi that's easily trackable right away
0: true true okay so depending on where you sort of search or look on, on the internet um, or books you read it, it takes between 7 to like 13 plus touch points um for most sales, you know, leads converts, you know, to to customers. Mm-hmm. This is obviously with the exception of impulse purchases, because um with first hand experience, people who've viewed some ads on Facebook, for instance, um for products that are less than 30 bucks or forty dollars they thereabouts, um, just impulse purchase because um first of all, there there's so many things coming into play. One is you know mobile phones. Um, two is you know one touch you know um, payments you know such as Apple Pay and even PayPal enable you know this impulse purchases, um, especially PayPal because um, there's accountability in with PayPal. Um, you could always open up a, a complaint, um, which freezes the the mm-hmm. funds for for the seller. So there's a lot of that going on but on the other side for brands you know which are the kind of brands you're working with um you know p- lots of potential customers would have interacted with the brand several times and this brings the the case for re- remarketing remarketing seems to be like a hugely important you know um sort of pillar in in the paid search marketing and you know paid marketing in general um so my question i know this is very long-winded um is that my um, <laughs> question? Is um, more around um, traffic. You know, how do you get cheap quality traffic for awareness for the first five, you know, six, maybe even seven ter- interactions before that sale? Um, from the data your agency is, you know, um, has you know access to. How are your best in class customers doing this? You know, in terms of like building that funnel and you know building that awareness before they go for the kill
1: that's an interesting question and I actually think that's the wrong question. Mm. The reason I think it's the wrong question is because everybody wants cheap traffic. The problem with cheap traffic is it's usually not quality traffic, i.e. someone who's going to buy and someone who's going to convert. So when we work with clients, we don't focus on our CPC or we don't focus on getting cheap traffic. We focus on getting the right traffic, who's going to buy ideally farther down the funnel or closer to the, closest to the point where they're going to purchase. Um, and so, you know, you can say the CPC on Facebook is, you know, two dollars, God forbid, and a and CPC is gonna be, you know, a doll in Google and we are just going to Google because it's cheaper traffic. But if people for some reason are not gonna buy that product based on a Google search or based on shopping, then you shouldn't be on Google, you're just gonna waste your money. So we don't look at cheap traffic, we don't get CPCs, other than to make sure we're not having, you know, a mistake in the account where something gets skyrocketed and spends tons of money. We focus on is it quality traffic? Is it going to convert? If it's converting, why? If it's not converting, find out why and figure out why it could be the wrong traffic. It could be, you know, the ad copy potentially. It could be the landing page. Oftentimes, with a lot of clients, we find you know their ad says one thing and their landing page or the product page, if it's an e-commerce site versus a SaaS client, says something completely different. You know, really making sure that your ad copy and the page it goes to, whether it's a product page or landing page, is in sync is really important because having that. Having that point where there's a disconnect between your ad and your landing page throws people off. But if those two things are in sync and you have quality traffic, the person should convert. And you shouldn't care what you paid for each click. You should care that are they spending enough money when they come by from you? Is the lifetime value going to be really profitable? And can we make money in the long run?
0: Interesting. I, I guess I I didn't frame the last bits of the question correctly. Um, I don't necessarily mean like paying for traffic per se um what i was trying to explore is um are they doing social media for instance, you know, building awareness through social media. Um, so, you know, they might have a really highly engaged YouTube channel and they're driving traffic through from a YouTube channel. You know, are they doing content marketing? They might have a, they might be working with, you know, big, you know, um, you know, content sites or even run, you know, content sites themselves. And what they're essentially doing is they're generating demand and interest from those platforms for quote unquote free or cheaply. And, um, you're now closing with, with what you do, which is paid search or, you know, paid retargeting. So that's, so what I was trying to to get to was if, you know, any of your customers are doing that, where they're, you know, generating demand, which does not necessarily, you know, convert immediately to, to, um, to sales, you know, via non-paid channels, and then they're closing through paid
1: yeah for most of our clients we don't do tons of that We'll do a lot of content marketing on on Facebook and other platforms if we're gonna like non pay channels with a lot of clients we'll we'll get it from like a PR perspective and say maybe you want to try and get this article in these places or maybe you want to try and get some- PR coverage for X, Y, and Z. My background actually is PR. I went to school for PR, so I have a pretty good understanding mm-hmm. of, you know, the idea of getting press and getting people to talk about your brand from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely it's definitely something clients can do. But I think even when you do, you know, PR or you do influential marketing or any of those things that are that are not paid channels, I still, I still think you need to come back to, you know, is this traffic that's going to convert at some point? Is it the right kind of people? Because you can you know, get lots of low quality links, you can get lots of newspapers that aren't of great quality. But if those people at the end of the day are not going to convert at some point, even if it's six months from now, then you kind of wasted tons of time. Even if you yeah. didn't waste tons of money.
0: It's just like that popular show is it, is, uh, is it good morning America? You know, brands have uh, reported that their website mm-hmm. crash, you know, you know, crashes after, you know, being featured on the, that's if they, you know, they're not on a, you know, on a, um, hosted, you know, e-commerce, if they're on a self-hosted, you know, e-commerce platform, a lot of the time, you know, their their sites crash and that just generates instant demand. But like, if you have all your paid, you know, channels already, you could just, you know, fire that and make so much more money, you know? So stuff like that, you know, on PR and content, you know, that's how I, so, that's, so I was just thinking, if you had any use cases with you know any of your clients have done, have done, you know driven a ton of traffic and then used you know paid traffic to to kind of um, squeeze as much off the traffic as possible.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of our clients is a high-end woman's wear in Toronto, actually, and they got mm-hmm. they got on a lot of Canadian TV, and so anytime they'd be on TV, we definitely increased our our budgets on Facebook and other platforms because we knew a lot of people would be searching for the brand. We knew a lot of people. Would just be on Facebook in general on the weekend after watching the shows. From that perspective, we definitely looked at boosting their paid presence after they were on basically the Canadian version of Good Morning America in yes. Canada, mm-hmm. um, and so that was kind of interesting to sort of see the spike in traffic and see the correlation with sales. Um, but it's definitely not something we, we happen we have happen all the time because everybody wants to get on get on that TV show. And it, it's it's not easy.
0: It's not easy. No. No. Yeah. No. Okay, Dwayne. Um, yeah, I think this is a very insightful, you know, conversation. You know, um, I enjoyed everything thoroughly. Um, all, all, all the points that we talked around, especially Pete, and um, just getting an insight of what you, you know you're doing in your agency and the data you have, you know, you have access to. Um, it's been been really, really insightful. Thank you so much for for coming on.
1: No, thank you for having me. It's been a great chat. I really enjoyed it. It's always fun just talking with other people in the industry and getting their point of view and just learning and sharing.
0: But before I let you go, I have an evergreen lightning round. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to ask you a few questions and if you could use a single question, you know, a single answer to answer them, it'd be brilliant. A single sentence, I guess. Um, How do you hire people?
1: We look for passion and ambition.
0: Awesome. All right. What are the three indispensable tools used for managing your business?
1: Excel, my memory, and numbers
0: and numbers okay all right you're a numbers guy awesome um what's been your best mistake to date i mean a setback that's giving you the biggest feedback hmm Ooh, that's a hard one it's a curveball everybody kind of hesitates when i ask him this one
1: i just wasn't expecting it <laughs> i i'm give me a second to think about this because don't no worry no worries. setback you know what? We we were, we were potentially going to move offices in March of this year and then I didn't pull the trigger on it. And then in the three months since then, pretty much all the real estate in Vancouver got bought up. Uh, and It became a lot harder to find a place for a new office. Um, and I'm usually a man who strikes when the iron's hot, but it just reinforced my... If I see something there, I should just say yes and take it and not like dither on it.
0: It's a hot market there in Vancouver. Okay. All right. It is, yeah. <laughs> if you could choose a single book or resource that's made the highest impact on how you view building a business and growth, which would it be?
1: I don't want the software, but the Basecamp team has that book, Rework, is really oh,
0: yeah. good. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Right. Finally, how can people get in touch with you, Dwayne?
1: Yeah, if you go to takesomerisks um, that's our website. You can email us. I'm on Twitter, so just Dwayne Brown, D U A N E, and then Brown with the color. I'm pretty active on that. I'm also on Reddit. If you're on like the PPC subthread for Reddit, those are mm-hmm. kind of like the three places I hang out most days.
0: <laughs> okay, great stuff. I will link to 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 um to both your your twitter your website and your your reddit um yeah thank you so much again and um yeah it's great to be it's great to have you here but well, it was great to have you here
1: cool. <laughs> thank you for having me again have All a great right, day <laughs>
0: see ya bye Thank you for joining me on today's episode. Um, Check out 2xecommerce.com podcast um, for show notes. Also, be sure to follow me on Twitter. My handle is Kune Campbell. New episodes of 2xecommerce podcast comes out every Thursday now. If you haven't already, please write us a review and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And if you like this episode, share it on facebook twitter linkedin with your friends 2x e-commerce is produced by me kunai campbell with the help of Boban and Edge. thank you so much for listening have a terrific one bye so that was a wrap on this week's episode of 2x e-commerce remember you can catch me every week